0: This episode is brought to you by the Young Farmer Business Program, an initiative of the New South Wales Department of Primary Industries. To help you get the skills you need for the office, not the paddock, visit youngfarmer.nsw.gov.au. Hello and welcome to the Future Farmers Network podcast, We are talking to George Faulkner today, who is the Managing Director and owner of Haddenrig in the central west of New South Wales. Haddenrig is a mixed enterprise farm and it also has a merino stud. Uh, Today, George is also my father and that should be mentioned at the beginning. Okay, so George, uh, tell me a bit about yourself. How did you get to where you are today?
1: Born in Sydney, educated in Sydney after doing correspondence at Haddenrig, and then, luckily, got into university, studied accounting and financial management, and then went jackarooing in New South Wales, Northern Territory, and then, um, fortunately, my mother died, and I had to step up to the plate and start working at Hatton Rig uh, full time, as she had been managing director in my absence.
0: How old were you when you took over?
1: I was 26.
0: You were 26. But well, you didn't live at Haddenrug, um to start off with, you live, where was it, between Haddenrig and Sydney?
1: Correct. As I had uh, an opportunity after I left university and finished Jackarooing, I worked in Sydney for a number of years running a couple of different businesses and got some experience in what it was like trying to make it in the city.
0: And were you glad you did that in terms of just getting experience and seeing how other companies operate?
1: Definitely. Yes, I recommend that anybody tries to get themselves some other skills besides 100% of agriculture. You get to work with different people, see different environments and and different business situations and problems to solve.
0: Yep, absolutely. So a lot of the listeners to our podcast are are young people in agriculture who are looking to get into it or looking to further their careers. What would you tell... um, What would you tell someone who was wanting to get into the industry, um, you know, who's sort of like 18 to 25 years?
1: Number one, I think anybody in agriculture, you must have a passion, a true passion for it. That's all you really want to do because it's not easy. Come droughts and floods and commodity prices and everything else. In addition to that, you need to be able to laterally think, i.e., think outside of the square and see. A different way of solving the problem but coupled with that you need one endearing um, uh, characteristic and that is a love of hard work because agriculture is not one for uh, sleeping in till nine o'clock and knocking off by five it's more like 630 till 630 uh, and even longer hours in the summer so um, if you're frightened of hard work, don't step up to the plate.
0: <laughs> and in saying that, like with the hard work and with the volatility, what is it that you love about working in food and agriculture that keeps you in it?
1: I think the love of the outdoor spaces, the fact that you see a result uh, quite quickly with animals, most of them take between six and 12 months to turn off. so. You you see from the time they're born how well they're doing, and then you weighing them and got a you know ID on them these days, and you can really track the progress, how many grams of meat or wool they're putting on per day. Um, that's very exciting. Uh, on the cropping these days, you know summer or winter crops, it's a six month cycle, so you actually see the result. And it's not a three- or four-year project. Mm. The big picture is three to four years if you're developing your farm, but the short-term uh, results that you see from a good season or a good rainfall and good commodity prices can be capitalised on.
0: And, and when would you say in like an average day or in an average year are you driving around thinking, I just bloody love this? Like what, what is the part of the day that you love that that happens?
1: Early in the morning at about six thirty, seven, 7 as the sun's rising and you see your sheep and cows uh, walking out to pasture and, and there's plenty of it, there's no drought situation. They're all fat and happy and you think this is a great place to be.
0: Yeah, I agree. So you've been in agriculture a long time now. What are some of the things that you've learnt over your career or what do you wish you'd known when you were, when you were younger?
1: I think all people should try and find a, a good mentor because the people that have good mentors usually have someone who's been through a few cycles of, of agriculture adversity, which could either be a drought situation, a flood situation, bushfire or, or, or a crash in commodity prices. And there's usually a solution to these problems, but it's great if you can talk to someone who's already and done the hard yards ahead of you.
0: Yeah. Who was your mentor?
1: Well, uh, Alec Ramsey, who was a manager here when I was very small, and then uh, Edward Scott, who was managing director of Clyde Agriculture, who built up a large holding of diversified properties from cattle, cotton, wheat, sheep Mm. Uh, in the early 2000s.
0: And what were some of the lessons that they taught you that you've carried with you, would you say?
1: Well, they, they were, Swire Group owned them and they'd been trading with the Chinese uh, since the early 1800s in Hong Kong. So he taught me a lot about how the Chinese think, uh, how to do business with them, and uh, how to ride out commodities ups and downs. Mm. And one of the things that you do learn is that the best cure for low prices is usually low prices because that means that the commodity drops in price, so more starts to get used and you gain market share. So it's not always bad having a crash in price. Yeah, it re-regulates. It does re-regulate, but you must have sufficient resources and cash flow to be able to carry on trading Mm. while that's happening.
0: So over the last 30 years, we've seen a lot of companies our size sort of like, you know, either sell to corporates or, you know, not, not survive the drought. What would you say has been the key to Hadden Rig's success and survival?
1: Well, following the wool crash in 1990, 1991, after the Berlin Wall came down, we were forced to diversify and we diversified into cotton with flood irrigation using water and we also increased our dryland farming to decrease our dependence on sheep mm. so we now have three main income streams at Rig. we have irrigated and dryland crops we have cattle wheat and then we have our original business which is merino sheep and turning off Merino pole lambs and merino lambs for for the growing meat trade yeah. lamb trade
0: and so when you diversified, you received a lot of like flack from traditionalists in the industry who just wanted you to stick by to stick by wool um you know are you glad that you've that you've done that or should you have done it earlier, or you know what would you say to that period of time now looking back
1: I think one of the things you should be allowed to do as a young farmer is have a go at a different enterprise. I was restrained due to various company policies. And so when I did try and catch up, I tried to catch up very quickly. <laughs> and that is associated with a lot of risk because if it doesn't come off, you can have a big failure. Whereas if you start off with, say, a couple of thousand acres of new crop uh, or 200 hectares of irrigation mm. it's something you can learn and then if you're successful at it you can expand mm. so to go from not to a hundred in one day is 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 high risk and uh, as many people have known uh, you can get into trouble expanding too quickly into a new enterprise
0: mm. and would you say that's one of the you know, mistakes that you've made, or would you say you know it doesn't matter, and I learnt from it, and and it was all okay in the end, or would you have done it differently now?
1: I would have started earlier and done it slightly differently, and I would have studied it uh, more closely and and got a bit more advice before uh, expanding quickly. Because, for instance, if you put a big irrigation scheme in, and then you get a three-year drought, and the water runs out in Burundong Dam, Mm. Uh, you've spent all that money and you can't get any payback, so it can really strain your uh, relationship with your bank.
0: Is that what happened?
1: Well, we did have high interest rates. We did run out of water due to a a drought and uh, we're not able to utilise the uh, irrigation uh, capital works that we'd we'd put in. So you need to have enough monetary resources to uh, carry you over up to two to two years to three years after building an irrigation mm. uh, system.
0: Yeah. In saying that, in conversation with me, you know, in the last few months, I said, you know, what would you what do you wish you'd known? And you said you wish you'd known the value of water. Do you, do you still say that for farmers now, looking forward, like? And 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 if so, what do you recommend them doing?
1: Definitely, I think there are more farmers in this last drought ran out of water for their stock well before they ran out of uh, fodder, and one thing you can't catch up on is water for stock. At Haddon Rig here, I think we now have sixty troughs and four or five main arterial water pipelines that supply water to mm. every paddock. We're not dependent on any ground tanks now in any paddocks to supply water. So we've solved that problem. The Irrigation water, well, we've tried to uh, put a back, backstop to that by drilling irrigation bores. However, what we found in the drought, that that even failed because the water table dropped due to the dry times, there was no recharge. And so even the, the irrigation bores failed to provide sufficient water to, um, to run the centre pivots for fodder mm. or irrigate the cotton. So even that backup system failed, but it was a severe drought, one of the worst on record.
0: Mm. So having lived through that drought and many others, what, what are you sort of planning for the future and to survive it? And, and do you see any major structural changes to the way you run this company? You know, to, to to in a, to accommodate the fact that droughts are getting worse and longer
1: definitely we've started already uh we've already got a thousand tons of uh silage put down because uh, there's so much grass and crop being grown this year that we're uh we're, we've started on putting silage down for the next next drought and we're putting mm. that down at around seventy dollars a ton whereas we were buying hay at you know 350 to Four hundred dollars a ton landed. So we, I figure if we put down three year supply in these good years of grain in bunkers and silage, in under tarp, plastic tarp, I'm talking about, so cures properly, yeah, and build a decent silo complex, the next drought that comes along will be in a lot, lot, lot better position.
0: Yeah, and I suppose we're also, you know, expanding the sheep feed lot, adding solar to, you know, to reduce the power cost of that and, <laughs> and um, you know, shelter because heat stroke was a massive thing. We were wanting to combat this last summer, wasn't it?
1: Yes, I'm becoming very well aware that, th- that th- which is backed up by numerical evidence that the sheep that had shade did better uh, in the drought feed lot than the ones that were out in the sun. It's just uh, when you've got a lot of things to do uh, and you're feeding a lot of sheep, shade should be on your priorities, but I put it uh, keeping the sheep uh, fed first. But in actual fact, they would have done better if we'd also built the shade simultaneously.
0: Mm.
1: I think that uh, in the drought, the old adage, your first... Loss is your best loss of selling your stock earlier rather than later is is a lesson that one should always remember because we fed cattle for six months, walked them out in the stock route. They closed the stock routes. We ended up selling them. We would have been better off to uh, sell them six months earlier mm. and uh, take take the first loss. Yeah, because it just caused a bigger stress situation because we were still feeding. Ten thousand breeding ewes and um, trying to get them in lamb and, and keep our core production units going.
0: Yeah. Um. So in saying that, what did you? What do you do as coping mechanisms for a drought like that? A drought like that.
1: Drink whiskey. <laughs> Seriously? No, I, I uh, did take up doing yoga <laughs> and uh, exercising and uh, getting off the farm once a month into a different environment where it wasn't drought-stricken. Mm. Mental health in the middle of a drought that goes for three years is, is, is very important and it takes a fair bit of looking after, is my experience.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So looking forward into agriculture, what are you excited about and what do you think the opportunities, the biggest opportunities are?
1: The biggest opportunity is that the world has recognised Australia is One of the key players in providing protein, whether it's through wheat, meat, lamb, or beef meat. Um, So you know we're we're very well placed, and we're still competitively priced on a per hectare basis for farmland to uh, take advantage of of the growing demand. It's going to have its ups and downs, uh, as as we're aware with the COVID, which has affected the cotton market, the wool market, and at present the lamb market. Uh, But these things will pass and the markets will come back. Mm. And so it's a good time now to, uh, if you can, while the interest rates are low, is to uh, increase your production or buy buy another paddock if you can next door and uh, get ready for the uh, return to normal, which all plagues or all... Health issues such as the Spanish flu following uh, World War One. Eventually, it did pass. Yeah, took some three years, and life returned to normal. Don't give up because we've got this inconvenience and irregular things happening on a daily basis.
0: Mm. And so, for people who don't own farms, what would you say to them who are looking to get into agriculture? Or you know, what what do you look for in a hire of a of a junior or a
1: senior manager on hand as i mentioned earlier you want to have passion but you also need intellect these days because or an ability to learn systems because nearly every part of the farm now has it has an app tied up to it whether it's your watering system your um, computer that you're recording your livestock with your center pivots your tractors, etc. Yeah. So you need to be able to absorb a lot of knowledge, and be able to use your apps and iPhones and laptops and iPads to access information quickly and easily.
0: Mhm. And um, yep, that's a good answer. <laughs> I've run out of i run out of thought on my train of thought. Sorry. Um. Oh, okay. So we've got a big family, obviously, and we, you know, for various roles, we are, in, you know, are part of the operation here. What's it, what's it been like working with family?
1: A lot of fun. <laughs> uh, it's great having your family involved in 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 the property, and, and I can't wait for them to. Uh, come back full time and help help even more because now that you've all been out in the real world working for other companies for between five and ten years, you've got a lot of experience and as, as they say, I've become a lot uh, easier to understand apparently because uh, you've worked for other bosses uh, as well as your father and obviously... Young men and women who work with their parents without experiencing other other employers always think that their parents have have some strange ideas or are short tempered it 's just that uh, children have not who have not had experience uh, may may be a bit hard on their parents uh, until they 've seen that maybe their parents are better bosses than the <laughs> An outsider.
0: <laughs> okay. Who or what would you take with you if you were stuck on a desert island?
1: Margot Robbie. <laughs> I she's a good cook. No,
0: okay. <laughs> Which leadership skills were the most difficult to develop?
1: Dealing with staff, especially employees that are older than you. they scare. They still scare me, people that have had more experience than I have.
0: If you could be an animal, what animal would you be and why?
1: I'd be a stud ram. <laughs> oh God. Why? Because you get fed well and looked after and you manicured once a month and looked after and can have 50 girlfriends.
0: <laughs> um, okay. What would the title of your autobiography be?
1: I did it my way.
0: Okay. Which TV or movie character is most like you and why? Superman. Why is that?
1: Because he can fly and I love flying and he never runs out of strength and you always need to have someone to help you on this farm because there's a lot to do.
0: What are you most proud of in your career to date? My children. Not really in your career.
1: But... Oh. Okay. <laughs> Being able to take over the Haddonrig sheep stud, maintain the Haddonrig sheep stud during the last bull crash and expand the land, area
0: we own and diversify the farm. Cool. Okay. Well, that's it for this month. We'd love to hear your thoughts via our Facebook page or on Twitter and we look forward to bringing you another enlightening and motivating podcast next month. Thanks very much. Bye. If you enjoyed this podcast, check out The Business of Farming, a series of recordings from the Young Farmer Business Program conference featuring some of the best minds in business and primary production. Thank you.